What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude. And Sam, how are we feeling today? We feeling good? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, you know, see, see to me, like losing is actually like funny. Like I was actually like just I have a smoking hot wife who's like she's just out of the frame here in my uh-huh. life. And we were actually just laughing about how nice. how funny it is that like the Celtics Celtics lost. Um I, I I think it's fine. I think it's cool. Um, I actually, a lot of uh, jokers and chuckleheads out there uh, of from the podcast think, oh, I'm owning Sam by sending him this thing. And you know what? I actually laughed at them. You were actually helping me. Don't look at yeah. all of these holes in my wall from where I punched them. It's not. That's not. It's from something different. Yeah. And again, builds my hot wife who's builds real. character. I've always said right. failures. There are no mm-hmm. failures in sports. Losing builds character. No. You can't win a game unless you've lost a game previously. So, yeah, you know, this was a Giannis you win. Mistakes. Yeah, we had, we had a Giannis win tonight. If Giannis were on the podium, he would have uh, this great success, huge success for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> he would have he would have channeled Borat. <laughs> <laughs> great success. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to talk about our sponsors from Underdog Fantasy, who once again, by the way, another L for me last let's week. Oh, let's fade those picks. All I had fade to do was get picks. one pick right. All I had to do was get one fucking pick right because they gave us the layup with the Jalen Brown points, and I picked Steph Curry to go higher on his points at thirty. One and he scored going into the fourth quarter, he had like 10 points. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm legitimately cursed. I give up. Um, so can, can I just say something offer- what's that about, about this one? Because we see the promo, the higher lower sure. on LeBron James. Okay. Now no. let's fade point. our picks because my instinct on the LeBron James special is to go higher. However, <laughs> what if we go lower? Zig <laughs> Zag. Let's go lower. Underdog is trying to trick us into uh, with 12 dimensional chess. This is the game that LeBron is going to rest. Uh, yes. So I, yeah. I think, I think lower is the smart pick. Trill, you seem to have already clicked, uh, clicked higher. So I guess we'll just agree to disagree here on this. One. So, so underdog is offering the, uh, the promo pick of LeBron 0.5 points. Maybe if uh Maybe for like Joe Lakeups on the sideline or something tonight, he could take the ball away from LeBron and then LeBron will get ejected. Mm. That, that could be something that could happen that could cause him to go lower on his points tonight, which means all we have to do here is get one pick again. Second time in a row, we've got to pick between the Knicks and the Heat, and we've got to pick between, once again, the Lakers and the Warriors, but we would have to pick a pick from the Warriors side since we already have the Lakers side with LeBron. So who do you think we should pick here, Sam? Do you want to do, do you want me to go with it and just continue the fucking streak? Yeah. I was going to say, let's just, let's, let's just keep fading. I mean, we are giving the, like the viewers good Intel here. If they, if you've watched all that, you've got to know to fade these at this point. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me look. Man, Miami has been just locking up the Knicks offense recently. They have not been able to score at all, which in my brain tells me they're still sticking with the starters. In my brain, it tells me that maybe I should go against my instincts in this situation. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm scrolling down. I'm looking at Miami's points right now. <sighs> God damn it. I'm just... All right. Let me just... My instant thought was Jalen Brunson needs to do something tonight in order for the Knicks to win. Mm-hmm. So let me just... You can fade this if you want because you'll make money on it. I'm going to go higher on Jalen Brunson's points. 25. He's been struggling recently. He also has <laughs> might have an ankle injury or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? It's all fucking random at this point. I never get it right no matter how much I look into it. I've just, I'm cursed. So go on Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code SLOP, S-L-O-P, to get a $100 deposit match today. It supports the program and like in the playoffs, especially these things are a lot of fun. If you're in a pickup state, if you're not in a pickup state, they also have drafts every single night you can do on underdog. And uh, yeah. So if you do this, it's the layup pick with LeBron. You can put 20 bucks on there and win 60. Um, and Jalen Brunson will definitely go lower on his points tonight because I made that pick. Uh, I actually said before, because before Sixers game, before the Sixers game on game four, or I'm sorry, game three, I said I was going to do higher on Embiid because all Embiid had to do was make one three. And I said I was going to do higher, but I didn't do that pick. And then he made the three. So I know if I went lower, he would have missed it. So get on there today. Fade me. Make money on underdog uh, throughout the playoffs as long as you just follow my page and the podcast and fade all my picks. So uh we need to talk about that Sixers Celtics game obviously up top game three before we get into game four game three as a Sixers fan was one of the most frustrating viewing experiences of my personal fandom uh it was one of those games where the Celtics were kind of you called it you said they were gonna win by 11 points they won by 12 um the prophecy continues but that game was so frustrating to me because it felt like if anyone but Joel Embiid could do literally anything in that game, the Sixers would have had an opportunity to go up to one, which would have been a massive difference, obviously. But I also think that it is worth noting that this Celtics team is different if they're down 2-1 versus if they're up 2-1. So I think that this series probably ends up 2-2, if not 3-1 in the favor of the Celtics in some capacity uh, based on kind of what we've seen so far. But James Harden, once again, game four, I don't, I've don't. i never seen anything like this before, where game one, he comes out, has his best playoff game ever. Game two, completely horrible. One of the worst games he's ever played in the playoffs. Game three, same story, terrible game, can't hit a shot, can't get his rhythm going, is missing everything. And then... And then- what happened? What was the question on everyone's mind heading into game four? What's that? Will Uno respond? And he How did. will Uno respond? And let me just say, Uno responded. He, uh, he absolutely wrote back this time. Yeah. Um, it was, once again, very similar to game one. An insane performance of shot making from all over the court. Pull up threes, step back threes off the catch threes, inside, hitting floaters, sending the game to overtime with a floater when the Sixers looked like they were dead and and done at the end of this game. Mm -hmm. And then once again in overtime, hitting in for the second time in a week, hitting a game-winning shot for the Sixers. I think if I remember correctly. Game-winning three. 
<laughs> a game winning three for the second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put them up one. Uh, you know, with uh, with less than the shot clock on on the clock, and and extended. It really saved the Sixers season for the second time in a week, despite having this roller coaster experience where he has these lows. And I, I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't want them to get shit for this. But I did see something that was very funny where they said <laughs> James Harden now has lower lows than Ben Simmons in the playoffs, but higher highs than Joel Embiid <laughs> because he, he actually became the first Joel Embiid. This stat blew my mind. The first Joel Embiid teammate to ever score 40 points in a game that he played in, in regular wow. season or playoffs. Tobias Harris has never scored 40 in his career. Maxie's had 40 twice, I believe, or he's had 40 once, but Joel didn't play in that game. There have been a few. Jimmy had 39. Maxi had 39 in a game. But no one until this game had ever scored 40 points in a game that Joel Embiid had played in. And honestly, as I know Joel was gassed towards the end of the game, and he was really brilliant in the first half, um, and then kind of rebounded a little bit in overtime. But Harden, I, I will say this much. Harden saved Joel Embiid from a lot of slander today because we were definitely on the precipice of – like Al Horford stuffing him twice in the fourth quarter, locking him up, making it so that he couldn't score on him. Um, you know, the Sixers going down 3-1, Joel not having beat the Celtics in a playoff game in five years at this point. He's only ever done it once. And Harden was a great pass from Joel. I'm not selling that short either. And then it was also a great play by Joel at the end of the game to contest Jason Tatum so that he had to kick it out to Marcus Smart who made the three, but a second too late. So I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it was, it was all Harden, but Harden certainly made the shots when they absolutely needed them and carried them for the second time in a week. And I, I'm just so confused. I've never like Jimmy Butler does this sometimes where like, I actually went back and I looked at Jimmy Butler stats from the Eastern conference finals last year um, when he played against you guys. And he had, one game was four. He had forty-one in the first game, twenty-nine mm -hmm. in the second game. Then he had eight, six, thirteen, forty-seven, and thirty-five. So very similar to the very similar to the Jimmy Butler experience in the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals last year. James Harden has been electric when they've needed him, and uh, one of the worst players in the court in the other two games. So it's a very confusing thing. But if it weren't for him, they would be down three-one, if not swept by now. So. I can't say enough about how amazing he was. Yeah. No. I mean, I thought my takeaway from this game, I felt as a Celtics fan, I felt the Sixers won this game a lot more. Like game one, I thought the Celtics blew. Like, like, like I thought the Celtics lost that game more than the Sixers won it. This one, I felt like the Sixers very much won. I think this was a game that the Sixers were going to win. I thought the Celtics did a very good job. They got a billion offensive rebounds. They shot a million open threes and it, you know, they just didn't, and that happens sometimes. Like you, you get the other star goes off and that's how you like lose a playoff game. I, I honestly feel pretty good about the Celtics. Like there's a lot of, I mean, obviously Joe Missoula um, opening the piss drawer and not calling a timeout is not ideal, but um, so hold on. Can we know. talk about that for a second? I, I, cause yeah. I've heard this a lot on things. Are yeah. you talking about the one at the end of regulation or the one? No, that the overtime was, one. Overtime one. Okay. The overtime two timeouts left, right? Yeah. Okay, so I guess my question is, like, 
the Sixers had Maxi on the court, right? Yeah. And every time you've been targeting Maxi, specifically with Jason Tatum, there has been a good outcome of either the Sixers overhelping, Jason Tatum getting an open shot, whatever it is. If you guys get into that action two seconds earlier, you win the game. But for some reason, <laughs> that was that was what I had more. I didn't have yeah. a problem with them not calling a timeout. If I'm from the Celtics perspective, yeah. I don't have a problem with him not calling a timeout because the personnel that was on the court is what you want. Tobias right. has been targeted defensively. Maxie's right. been targeted defensively. The Sixers overhelp, and it leads to open threes. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. But because they didn't get it in that action two to three seconds earlier and they wasted so much time, that was really the issue I but, had. But that's what the timeout is for. Because, I see, I'm of the other mind where I think I, – because I, I agree with that way more, which is why I didn't have a huge problem with not calling the timeout at the end of regulation because it's a tie game. Like, why not? Like, there's not, there's no downside. Like, and you, again, you're keeping Maxi on the court. It was almost identical, really. Like, the, the two play, like, you know, it, it ended up playing out pretty similarly. I thought Tatum actually did a really good job drawing attention both times, getting the pass collapsed out. The he defense. had five guys, he had five guys all around him both times, totally collapsed the defense. Um, Bill and Russillo made me like see red today with like how much they were blaming Marcus Smart for this fucking game. And I just, like biting my tongue, tasting blood, like because I was just like, they're just so not the problem here. Honestly, Jason Tatum, like normally I would love to like bitch and throw Jason Tatum under the bus. He was amazing. He was so good in the second half. Second half. He was yeah, second half. I mean, he was terrible the first half, but I will take it. He played exactly the way I've always wanted Jason Tatum to play his entire career. He did it for an entire half and kept doing it down the stretch. He got two great looks for them at the end of overtime and the other thing. It just he couldn't get into the action quick enough, which is what happens when you don't have a fucking timeout to like <laughs> figure that out. And I, I guess my problem with like playing that way when you're down one, you want to make sure you're getting a good look. Like you, like, like it, it changes quite a bit when you're down one versus when it's a tie game. When it's a tie sure. game, you have nothing left to lose. Like there's, there's no downside there. The other thing is, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess the six is. I really thought the Celtics were getting pretty good looks all game. Like, and just, they, they just were getting wide open game. threes. The process yeah. was really good. They just missed a bunch. So I don't really have, you know, even if Maxi's like on the floor, like, is it, is having like, well, who would they have put on the, like Jalen McDaniels on the floor instead of Maxi? Is that going to change? Or, yeah, probably yeah, it would have been McDaniels. Yeah. And honestly, McDaniels might foul in that situation. <laughs> I really don't think it's that different I, I it's more important to me when you're down one i know that might seem a little bit of a you know whatever but i guess my broader point you know and there's a whole thing about jalen doubling Embiid, um which like again i think how you feel about that kind of goes more to how you uh view jalen and kind of what your rooting interests are like if you're someone who's well i'm kind jalen of 50 50 on that one because yeah because I, I, I think from yeah. the sixers perspective like I, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted because I watch the Sixers almost every game uh, have since they got James Harden, especially. And I, you can't cheat off the guy in the corner. I understand why people are frustrated with the fact that he cheated off James Harden in the corner. Yeah. I understand that, uh, you know, when you're up two, the only thing you can't give up is a three. So if Joel scores, as long as it isn't an and one, you're probably going to get a chance to win the game. Which but also, by the way, it's like, I mean, Tatum's a great, long, lengthy defender. 
He's not a great post defender. Like that's not a good matchup. There's a there's a strong chance that is an N one if you don't get the ball out of his hands. I'm just gonna I was kind of confused there. as to why they even had him on him in the first place, to be honest. That was that was yeah. another thing where I was like, okay, well, I don't know why Jason Tatum is guarding Joel Embiid right now. But it led to this possession where Jalen cheats off in the corner. There's no one else over there. You can cheat from pretty much anywhere else on the court because other guys can, you know, make rotations to shooters or whatever. That was the only side of the court, uh, only side of the court that was completely empty with just James Harden. Having said that, I think the Celtics' late game strategy has generally been let's turn Joel Embiid into a playmaker into, instead of a scorer, yes. and let's focus the team defense on turning him into a passer. In game three, it worked. Joel actually made some decent passes at the end of that game. Maxi clanked some shots. Tobias clanked some shots. Like they just were not connecting on these shots late in the game because the Celtics were able to rotate over and and kind of make them contested looks. The in that game, Joel gets the ball and he's so he he's got Tatum in so deep that Brown helps over. And I I genuinely mean it when I say this. I cannot remember a single time. James Harden has taken a catch-and-shoot corner three as a Philadelphia 76er. And to the point where Kevin Pelton, after the game, tweeted and said, in his Sixers career, coming into this playoffs, including last playoffs, James Harden has shot shot and made five catch-and-shoot threes, according to their record. I think think it's more than that. Catch-and-shoot corner threes, I'm assuming that he meant. He's had, apparently, he's had seven in these playoffs in some capacity of catch and shoot. I think that he is not used to taking that shot. It probably is in Jalen's mind that he's not a catch and shoot guy anyway, so I can recover back and then make him drive even if I cheat off him here and I double Joel. So I think that, and even even so, the pass was a little bit off. James had to make a great recovery, caught the ball, made the three. Yeah. I genuinely think we we actually figured it out. I think it was two other times in his Sixers career where he's taken that exact shot. And one of them was in his first game as a Sixer. And he just doesn't take, like that is not in the scouting profile for sure. Like there's no way that they're writing down like James Harden can't leave him open in the corner. But at the same time, in that situation, I understand why the people are being critical because he can't miss in this game and he's he knows the situation and he's going to take that shot and if you leave a good shooter open wide open from 3 he's probably going to make you pay for it which he did so i kind of get both sides of the argument it's not a thing that's in the sixers repertoire but it's also not something that in that game situationally you should leave a guy and it might have been kind of a boneheaded decision in in hindsight yeah i just i it's tough for me to get too like mad about that when like I, I think what I think why that that is driving like Celtics fans so insane is because the game really did feel like it was over with like five minutes to go, like where the tide had turned and it was like kind of an inevitable death march. Like Joel looked rattled, um, you know, like the the, the he was gassed. Was, he was completely gassed in the fourth quarter. Yeah. the The arena was quiet. A lot of surrender cobras. Like like every time they panned to the crowd. Uh, Marcus Smart is um, uh, grifting at a level that, um, frankly, has never been seen before. Um, 
uh, the Celtics were getting away with Jason Tatum just missing Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> Which, by the way, the two-minute report came out and they said that it was a legal play somehow. So I don't really know how that uh, happens. But uh, the two-minute report, the two-minute report came back and they said that play was clean somehow with Jason Tatum shoving off on Tyrese Maxey. Which I was like, okay, sure, sure enough, sure. Um, I mean, pick your battles. I mean, so so I, I think that's probably why it's like hitting. Celtics fans a little hard, but overall, I just I, I can't get too mad about that game. Like it it sucks that Marcus Smart hit the game winning shot, but it didn't count. Like, you know, there's a ton of stuff. Joe Mazzula didn't, you know, there's a lot of psychically damaging stuff. Um, but I guess I, I also I kind of expected the Celtics just to lose this game in general. So you were saying it the whole time, and we were feeling as though when we were watching that game. Every time the Sixers had an opportunity to pull away from the Celtics in the first half or in the yeah. third quarter, they were just always hanging and hanging and hanging. And it's something that we've talked about in the opposite where the Celtics do this and they mm-hmm. let teams hang. But the Sixers were doing it this game. They were missing wide open threes, transition opportunities. They were they blew multiple layups in transition mm-hmm. in this game when they had an opportunity to really at least put up some points and make it so that this game was a little bit more out of reach that if you got to the fourth quarter and maybe it was – a 20 point game with five minutes left at the Celtics throw the talon. But because the fact that they let them hang around and by halftime, it's under t- double digits. Uh, you let Jason Tatum hit that shot at the end of uh, the first half after he literally cannot make a shot the entire half gets him into a little bit of a rhythm. The Celtics come out strong in the second half. The Sixers maintain the lead, but they never can build it up big enough that it feels like they're going to just pull away with the game. And this was a classic what a way to end this era of the Sixers was what we were saying on the street was like, mm. you're, you've been the better team today. You've outplayed the Celtics. Um, and you blow a lead at the end at home with a chance to tie the series two two going back to Boston. You go down three, one, you're not coming back from down three, one when you lose a demoralizing game four like that, especially when it's the third straight game in a row that the Celtics would have won in this series after the Sixers stole game one in Boston. So that's what we're thinking. The only part of my, and and once again, (laughs) whatever Harden stands on Twitter saying, I understand you have PTSD Sixers fans, especially in this matchup. But the thing that we've been talking about all year with the Sixers is that this team is a little bit more resilient and like they went down five with two minutes left and the game wasn't completely over because they were making hustle plays. They were making the right plays down the stretch. And honestly, like the the hardened floater to tie the game is getting very overlooked by the corner three because it won the game. But that game, that shot to tie the game is a shot that, that one, they've never had a guy who can just make that shot in that moment. And two, the degree of difficulty with two defenders around you to hit that from the foul line on a floater to tie the game to basically get it there. And then on top of that, the Celtic, all the Celtics kind of bad luck in this game towards the end of it, the smart missing a wide open three at the end of regulation, it being a second too late. And another part was there was an Al Horford three when you guys were up one with like a minute and 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. where it rimmed in and out. Like, that's a shot that always goes in versus the Sixers in the pass, it feels like. Yeah. And they got some lucky breaks in this game, and they made the most of it. Like, P.J. Tucker had a hustle play at the end, which turned into an and one. He got in Joel Embiid's ear, basically telling that, him. Well, that was what I was going to say was a huge difference. I, what I think was Rumors a huge difference. were right about P.J. Tucker. Yeah. I was completely wrong. 
The Boomers were right. Now, look, does he muck some shit up for the Sixers sometimes that makes it hard to score in the half court because the Celtics just ignore him? Yes. But also, they've never had a guy who's just, like, will not, like, back down to stars and be like, you need to fucking do your job. And well, that clearly worked because they're always much better after that. I, I honestly credit P.J. Tucker with a lot of – like, I almost give him the second most amount of credit behind James Harden for the Sixers <laughs> not blowing that game because he was saying – Shut the fuck up, you pussies. Let's play some basketball. He's like literally just screaming, screaming obscenities at everyone until they fucking won. And you need that guy. That's why I love Marcus Smart so much. Because whenever Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do bozo shit, he'll, uh, he'll, he's the one who does that for the Celtics. Like, and we'll just, you know, and that's why it drives Bill and Rosillo crazy. They were like making some stat that, like, did you know that, like, Marcus Smart has like 15 field goal attempts in the end of like, what is it? it's like, yeah, because he has the balls to take those fucking shots and we'll actually, and he actually does like pretty well with them. I'm just going to say that Bill and Russillo need to go to prison. Smart so, is, uh, smart is, uh, was the main reason why they came back in that game, to be honest. Like well, it was smart and Tatum that led the comeback down the stretch largely. And I, I just, I don't know. Just everyone, I, I'm I'm not a Malcolm Brogdon guy. And I just like, they're, they're saying like, oh, Malcolm Brogdon's been incredible this whole playoffs. His, his offensive numbers are like literally identical to Smart's. Like, like Smart has a higher turnover percentage. It's pretty substantial. It's like 13 for Smart and like five for Brogdon. That's a big discrepancy. I will take that with, uh, you know, the defense that Smart provides versus the uh, defense that Malcolm Brogdon provides. Uh, James Harden has been absolutely anytime they switch Malcolm Brogdon onto James Harden, that is absolute food for him. That is that's that and the Horford matchup are the two things that have really like it's it's one of the things that's been kind of overlooked is that before this year, the Celtics never really had anyone that you would view as a targetable defender on the court. Like last year, that team, when Al was better defensively and you didn't have Brogdon there weren't very many targets to go after for guys like James Harden and the switches. Like you said, you've talked about it before the scram switches to avoid those things, those kind of things like in these games, they kind of just give them to him, and it gets Harden in this rhythm where he starts feeling himself when he starts hitting shots and he see it going in. And like he Harden, if you look at the stats, I, I had a, I had a stat earlier about the coverages that Harden has seen so far in this series and there's a few different coverages when they're guarding Harden, especially in the pick and roll. And there is deep drop, and he's done okay versus deep drop. He's he's uh, scored 1.02 points per possession. That's that's all right. In the playoffs, you'll take that. High drop, where they play the the drop defender a little bit closer to the level of the screen, he's, uh, he's scored 0.6 points per possession. That's really bad. He's basically been baited into taking a ton of contested threes, and he's missed a lot. And then when they switch, he is he has gotten 1.5 points per possession, which is insanely good yeah. against the Celtics defense, mainly against Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon has been switched onto James Harden seven times in this series in the pick and roll, and he has given up two points per possession on those, <laughs> which is literally just a free bucket every time. Al, Al Horford has done slightly better, but on nine switches, he's allowed 1.7. So when you're giving yeah. him those looks and he's also able to kind of beat guys uh, in, in isolation, he, he he took Rob off the dribble a few times. Like yeah. it, it's going to allow the Sixers to get a little bit more confidence because the Sixers offense is very different than the Celtics. offense. The Celtics offense is built around driving the ball, ball movement, 
uh, you know, kind of connect connectivity, open threes, variants, all that shit. The yeah. Sixers offense is built around can Joel Embiid and James Harden save us? And if not, we're fucked because the role players have been dog shit in this series well, offensively. But, but the other thing here, though, is you're seeing that, like, honestly, in the playoffs, though, that's not bad. Like, like sure. it seems like it seems like that would be worse, but it's not necessarily like Joel still really hasn't had the game. I have in the prophecy that game five is the Joel game. So, like, you know, prophecy, so, yeah. for so, anyone who missed this games two to six to a T basically you have predicted so far two. It was the get right game for the Celtics, yeah. which you called, which was a blowout. Three yeah. was a 12 point Celtics win. That was much closer. The whole game. You did say that Joel was going to come back and look not great in that game. It was actually game, game two where that happened. And yeah. game four, you called the PJ Tucker game and it didn't look like a PJ Tucker game, but it kind of was a PJ Tucker <laughs> game because of what we talked about. And yeah. the fact that uh, the fact that they win basically on him, like you said, calling everyone you know pitch made baby food, is uh, is at least part of what what happened. Yet, yeah. and as Will said in the comments, the Celtics would go sixteen and three on their way to a title if PJ Tucker's their head coach. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's like why that that's why we miss Emei Udoka. We just we just need someone to scream at him. Like it doesn't doesn't need to like be anything in particular. I don't know. I mean, like. Bill and Rosillo were talking about like why doesn't Rob Williams look good? I felt like Rob but Simmons said I thought Rob would have more utility. Why would you think Rob would have more? He's always been dog shit against the Sixers. It's not this his is match. the one matchup that he's yeah. not really. Uh, and honestly, he is still good in his role. It's just yeah. that he's more limited because of yeah. the fact that you're not going to want to play him in the Embiid minutes a ton. It gives someone Embiid to roam off of on the other side. Yeah. And then on, on that side, like he's just taking it to Rob every time. And they, and they even let Joel bring the ball up because it pulled Rob. It's similar to what we were talking about with in after game two, where I was like, oh, yeah. well, the one adjustment I, I like that Missoula made was whenever we put Embiid on smart to hide him, when you guys went five out, you could just give Smart the ball and it pulls yeah. Joel away from the rim. We did the same thing where they just let Joel bring the ball up because Rob's out of the paint. The Sixers cannot score against Rob Williams in the paint or at the rim at all in this series. I, I, I love Rob. I don't if you're if you're gonna commit to playing Malcolm Brogdon inexplicably more than Derek White, like you, you're thank you. You can't have you can't have Rob on the floor with Malcolm Brogdon. It just doesn't you you totally neuter any of the vertical spacing because everyone knows Malcolm Brogdon's not going to fucking pass to Rob and Rob is just standing there at the rim, giving two giving two free defenders to throw at Malcolm Brogdon. I have no idea why. Like it's the easiest the Sixers, thing in the world. That is the just picked up in the scouting report. They're not, they're barely even guarding Rob whenever he they're, they're guarding that pick and roll because they, they know that Brogdon isn't going to hit him. Brogdon's not going to hit him. Like, but the thing is, it just drives me crazy. It's like you have Grant, you have Al. Like every other big can play with Brogdon. Why are you so fucking committed? Like, just start Malcolm Brogdon if you're gonna fucking do this. Like, I understand you want to have Derek White for Tyrese Maxey, and I think White's done a great job on Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't like. I get that Malcolm Brogdon has his points. He hits his threes. But woo fucking who? I, I, I'm. If the Celtics lose this series, it's it's Joe Mazzulla playing Malcolm Brogdon more than Derek White. Like is is the issue. I would I'd just like to see. I don't think Derek White. He might get bullied a little more than James by James Harden, but then you can at least shade defenders and like do other things. Like 
I just want to see. I want to see more Derek White in this series, and I would. I'm, I have. I've had plenty of Malcolm Brogdon. Things. We were on the stream yesterday, cheering whenever Brogdon was coming in for White. And I actually yeah. think after Brogdon played in the first two games, I kind of get like he was not missing a shot. Like it, at yeah. home, he was fantastic, and we were like, of course, Malcolm Brogdon's the one. In this game, I was just like, I don't know. I thought Derek White was feeling it a little bit. He hit a few threes. He had Maxi in absolute hell. And honestly, the neutralization of Maxi in this series has been probably the biggest thing that has kind of made it. So, like, the, when the Sixers half-court offense is actually performing well, it's when they can get all three of their leading scorers involved in different ways. Yeah. And it's like... You're running, you're running offense through Joel through the post, but you're also having Harden run pick and roll. And then you're having Maxi as this guy that kind of floats around the perimeter and he's able to catch and attack and, and get into gaps and get to the rim. But the Celtics wings have given him a ton of problem with him just being able to finish over them. He's yeah. even like, it, it's we, we talked about it, it is like, it's probably a confidence thing at this point for Maxi yeah. because he is missing his open threes and wide open threes a guy who has turned himself into that also might be a little bit of a fatigue issue from him playing real big minutes. Your legs get tired in these games. I understand that you can miss some shots due to that. Um, but like he, he basically right now, I, this is shout out to uh shout out to ransom. Who's in the discord. He said on uh wide open threes, Maxi is hitting 33% of them in the regular season. He hits about 45 to 50% of those shots uh six of his it's not even like boston is contesting his twos and that's why he's not able to score at yeah. the rim in floater range whatever or in the mid-range at all but yeah. on the threes six of his seven threes that he's taking every single game are open or wide open and he is hitting 28 percent of his threes in this series so that's one thing where I think that the variance will go back, whether it's in the it's in game five or game six. The, the Maxi will have a game where he makes three or four threes, maybe five if he gets hot, and that can swing and make the Sixers offense because the Celtics have been killing them in the half court. The Sixers have it's funny because you would think that the Celtics would want to kind of push the pace, but they've actually been outscoring the Sixers in the half court as well. So I'm wondering kind of what basically what what this comes down to for me is can the Sixers get Maxi involved I have no faith in Tobias Harris he's been he was good in the first game and he has been pretty terrible since um I I've kind of given up on the Sixers ability to score inside outside of Joel Embiid and James Harden um and I'm hoping that really what this comes down to is can Maxi have a little bit bounce back game in terms of variance and then two, can Joel Embiid just have a beast mode game? Because like you said, yeah. we haven't seen that out of him. And honestly, we've never seen it out of him in the playoffs outside of maybe one or two games in that Hawk series where he scored, I believe he scored 40 points in a game in the Hawk series um, and, and dominated. Like the thing with Joel has always been, he can carry you for two and a half to three quarters, gets down to the fourth because of the injuries, the conditioning stuff, he's tired, he's run down. And this year was the best shape he's ever been in. He gets that injury, and now he's playing through the injury. He doesn't look 100% fully, but, like, if the Sixers are going to win this series, they need a beast mode, god mode, Joel Embiid game, and they need probably one hot shooting game in order to carry them and win because it's a three-game series now. And while I think Boston has been the better team, it's anyone. Anything can happen. The Sixers have won both of the really close games. 
Boston won the one that was kind of close, and then they destroyed them. So, so now you're getting down to like it's just like what we talked about with the Bucks and the and the Heat, where like you were we were you were like I still think the Bucks are going to come back, and I'm like, but now they have no margin for error, and anything can happen to either yeah. of these teams in the yeah. next few games. Where like <laughs> as Celtics Matt said. He thinks the Sixers need to lose next game so that the Celtics phone in game six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like I, I think either way, it's a good. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I said my my prophecy. I think I think I said Sixers by five next game because I I think it's beyond brand for the Celtics. The Celtics because nobody's really going Defcon on the Celtics and the Celtics when it when there's a team that's like kind of their equal the way that the Sixers are. They need to have like a a scary DefCon like discourse creating um, loss. Last year they lost Game Five at home to the Bucks. I, I think I think it's gonna happen again. I think the Celtics are probably gonna lose Game Five to the the, the Sixers again. And then I think um, sh- shout out to um, Dan, who I think you're in some Sixers chats with, because he said. Sam, if 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 your prediction comes true and the Sixers are up uh three two and lose game six by thirty the way you've predicted, I will never watch the Sixers again. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like you have no idea what that would do to my psyche. I would rather them just like lose game five and then have to win game six. Like I was gonna say, I, before when they were losing yesterday, part yeah. of my brain was like I'd rather have them just get it over with and lose this series in five. But then mm-hmm. I just kept remembering. Every one, the Celtics are vulnerable. Two, the league is yeah. wide open right now, and yeah. that you you can't you can't look at past experiences for teams and say that's going to inform whatever happens in the next few games because we've seen crazy shit already happen in this playoffs, and and it's just like the 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 the, the shit that can happen in a three game span can literally change who wins the title as we saw last year as well. well. That's like what's happening is like Celtics fans are are being like yeah like we own the Sixers like we beat those like I mean like that the 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 confetti series like the the Sixers, there's like one guy left on the team from the Sixers from that as Tobias too oh no you might be right I don't think Furcon was over at that point I think Furcon was a rookie the next Furcon yeah. was like deep bench maybe that might yeah. have been his deep bench rookie year yeah I mean he never plays it's, it's, this is like a fundamentally different team which I think people like don't understand and like I I know people want to clown Joel and maybe it's not the best time the best time for like Joel defenses right now but like I don't he's like been hurt and he's like the MVP I don't know I've I've always respected the Sixers I've said I've been very consistent on this all year that the Sixers could absolutely beat the Celtics. Like that's, I I I think the Celtics are a better team. I think it's you know it, I think it looks like the Celtics are a better team, but they keep losing close games, and it's a two-two series. And now we're we're in the zone, best of three series. Any team can win two games. Any team can win two games. Like like so this is absolutely up for grabs right now. Um, and and I think whoever wins this series has got to be title favorites. I don't know if that's crazy, but I that's how I feel right now. I mean, I look at it like it's very funny because the the we we've joked about like what's the funniest thing that can happen. Yeah, and the the worst fate possible would probably be. I wouldn't say worst fate because I think the worst fate possible would have been the Sixers losing the series in five and not looking competitive after game one. Um, but the the second worst thing that could have happened would be the Sixers finally get through and then they lose to the Miami Heat, who are the first eight <laughs> to go to the finals since the 2000 Knicks. 
Um, that would be especially brutal, mostly because of the Jimmy Butler thing, because we'd have to hear about for mm-hmm. another we for the rest of my life, we would have to hear about how we let Jimmy Butler buy his Harris over me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which yeah. is definitely the thing that happened. Yeah, that's um but uh like look, even with all the things that happened with Joel yesterday, he was in my opinion, in the first half at least, I mean, it was him and Harden were carrying the team. And that that's kind of what this has come down to. There are two series happening right now, the Nuggets and the Suns and the Sixers and the Celtics, where I think the Nuggets are the better team and I think the Celtics are the better team. But there are two guys on each of those teams. Devin Booker's been in another strategy. He's incredible, dude. He's compared so to Harden and Embiid, even has been. He's been on the greatest heater I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Rissalu said uh, uh, we compared him to Kobe, which is blasphemy. Yeah, it is blasphemy. He's better than Kobe. This is better <laughs> than anything Kobe has ever done. I- I'm going to okay. say it right now. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is incredible. Kobe never shot at a 70 true shooting percentage. His true shooting percentage was like 30, but the, the Lakers would win or something like that. Devin Booker has shot, uh, I believe, Will, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but as of last night in the fourth quarter, he was at, in his two games in Phoenix, he had shot a 91% true shooting between oh those God. two games. And, and the, the thing with Booker, it's so funny because you bring up the Kobe thing. I remember a year ago, I said in our group DM, I said, what I said, Devin Booker's still only 25. What's holding him back from being this generation's Kobe? And everyone was like, what? And I was yeah. like, dude, like from a shot. And now look, Kobe played in a much less efficient area era. He wasn't as good of a shooter as Devin Booker is. But just from a pure late game shot making perspective, from a self-creation standpoint of constant confidence a confidence confidence. every single year getting better on defense getting better at passing he honestly like early in his career he was a good shooter he's an elite shooter now and he has gotten better at every element of his game it it, the the takes from the early from the early shit with with him are gonna age probably worse than any player in the history of the nba between he's not a winning player to advanced players saying that he's empty and advanced stats guys saying he's empty calories. It was always very confusing to me because I know he was famous for that game against the Celtics when he scored like 70 points and most of it was fake because they like got him to the line a ton and whatever. But the, the thing about this, this uh, like kind of leap, I don't think Sixers fans are really all that surprised by this. Cause if it, even if you look at stats from like, I remember watching Booker in like 2017 and being like, this guy's incredible. How is he 21? Like, it just like, he was so good in his career, which he has gotten slowly better and better. And now he averages upwards of 30 points a game. He averages like 31 points a game in his career against the Sixers. He has always been a Sixers killer. So I don't really think Sixers fans are surprised by this, but the heater that he is on right now is... I've never seen something. And I know that some of it, you could say like, oh, well, you know, the Clippers defense wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, Denver always gives up these because they're vulnerable defensively because, because of the scheme and because of Jokic and blah, blah, blah. That they two guys who can score right now. It's no help. Yeah. Two players taking on an entire team with the two-time MVP who just scored 53 fucking points last night and they outscored it. Like it's, it, it was after, I think I said, I think the, the Nuggets win the series, but I don't think that it's going to be a destruction because 
the nugget after game two, because the nuggets are just so much better at home than they are on the road. Like they shoot better at home. They have the altitude, which I know people don't think that that matters, but I'm telling you, it fucking does, especially in late game situations. When guys are tired, that hundred percent is a beneficial thing. Look for at the their road. Look at their road splits. Like, yeah, like they're they're used to it. And like, yeah. honestly, like th- that's that's a massive advantage, and that's probably why I think the Nuggets still end up winning the series. But like, now you're in a three game situation in that series where you have to hope that Devin Booker doesn't continue what we what I I would define as the greatest three week heater I've ever seen in my life. Dude, he's shooting sixty one percent of from the field on mostly jumpers in the playoffs. Like, this it's is like, like 61 52 splits from three. This is like, this is like almost Steph. Like, I mean, it's like different. Yes. It's, it's like, it's like a fusion of Kobe and Steph sure. just in terms of yes. like the, the, the fusion. I don't know. You don't, you know what you were mentioning? Like Booker takes like aging badly. Um, well, one, very funny because I think this is one of the only times where uh, KOC gets to um, d- defeat Verno in in combat. Look, KOC was always on Devin Booker quarter back back to the day, and uh, Verno always made fun of him and called him a losing player. Um, another one is: Do you remember when Bill Simmons made a huge deal about Devin Booker not going to Team USA? Yep, and said that the Celtics 2019. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Booker's never really played in big games before. It would be nice yeah. for him to play in some games that matter. Instead, he's going to pick up at LA Fitness and, and yelling about yeah. double teams. Well, it's it's just so funny because Tatum has like blossomed into being like one of like the best case scenarios you can possibly wish for for your chart. And I think right, I think it's pretty clear. Like right now, Booker is better. Close. Like I, I, it, it's I, yeah. I think Booker is better. I, I would I would just like put that out definitely in this playoffs. Like there's no doubt. Um, yeah, he's been the best and player. I, I, I like I and I, I, I don't know. I just think it's 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 funny how like just different that all like gets treated and and the defense level. I guess it also just goes to show you like um, how like guys you, you can be good at defense. You just really have to like fucking try. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, and, and he like, does have decent tools, but he was pretty terrible early in his career. So I I still yeah. think that in order to become a neutral defender, like. It's there's there's a lane for most guys unless they have a a physical limitation that can make them into at least a neutral defender and like he has worked really hard on that end and has actually become a really good defender. Yeah. So I I just I think I, I don't know I mean I'm I I have no idea what's going on in the West anymore I had kind of resigned myself to the Nuggets because I watched like some of those Nuggets Suns games and I was like oh my god this is over <laughs> this is Jover. This is like if I were at the Suns, if I were in Suns DMs, I would have been game two. It's Jover, uh, you know. It, we're we're Barack uh, game four, you know. So right. I have I have no I have no idea what's going to happen in that series. I still don't know how the Lakers keep winning. I'm 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 insane to me. Um, I, whatever. I, I guess we'll 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 see. I might be owned, but I, I get I'm. If the Warriors lose this series to me, it means that the Warriors, Warriors were way worse than I thought, and by extension, the Kings, because I, I just cannot accept that the the Lakers are good. I don't think this team is good. I was going to say, we, uh, if you go back, of all of my takes pre-playoffs, none of these worse than after the play, and I was like, I don't think the Lakers are good. And and now they have made light work of Memphis, who we always thought were a little bit oh, Mickey, oh. but like, bad they, they were also bad and yeah, that was also yeah, a bad matchup for them sure bad matchup yeah. all those things yeah but the lakers are taking care of business and like if they if they win tonight 
Do you, do you know who the the, the corgi the on TikTok who does the? <laughs> yeah, you know dog, the dog. Yeah, yeah I he know predicted, the dog. Yeah. He predicted that the Lakers were going to go up three one, and then the Warriors were going to come back and win the series in seven. That that uh, dog has me fighting for my life in the prediction game. Like he and I are he and I are dueling right now. I was going to say it, it, that dog picked predicted three one Lakers go up, and could you imagine? Could you imagine Steph? Having a three-one comeback against LeBron, LeBron? I kind of want that to happen. To be honest, now, like I kind of really want that to happen. That would be very. I mean, I, it, may, it would make Warrior, it would make Warriors fans happy, which is like a cardinal sin. Um, sure, I, but I'd find my way around. I'd like, oh, that's good for yeah, me. But you have Lakers, like, like it's yeah, you're, exactly. You're a yeah. Fan. Like, of course, you want Lakers fans to be sad too. Oh, uh, that'd be incredible. But uh, no. I, there was another element of of all this with the Nuggets Suns that I really did not even think about. And, and Rose brought this up to me on Twitter. And uh, they were basically saying that, hold on one second, I'm pulling it up now. But basically, this would be the second time that KD has gone to a team. So first off, we have the 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 Simmons-Rosillo thing that was Simmons twisting the knife in Rosillo's back about Chris Paul being the ultimate Ewing theory guy. If the Suns win this series and he misses these three games in the middle of it and they win three, four, five. And honestly, okay. I, I generally think Ewing theory is kind of bullshit and I'm shocked that Bill hasn't pulled one out for Embiid after games, the first three games of the series. But I generally think the Ewing theory stuff is bullshit, but this might be the one case where I think there might be an argument. And here's why. When you remove Chris Paul from the rotation, you're replacing him automatically with a guy who's going to shoot more threes than Chris Paul. And yeah. what has been the Suns' problem through... What was the Suns' problem through the Clipper series, through the first two games of this series? The Nuggets were just destroying them in the variance game. Like, the 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 uh, the Suns were getting good looks, but they were all from two. They were all mid-rangers. They couldn't get to the rim. They couldn't shoot threes. They changed their game plan. They've been getting downhill more. They've been playing offensive first guys. Last night, they played Landry Shamit and TJ Warren and even Terrence Ross, who owned me. And also shout out to George Niang, who's been destroying me this entire series. Being arguably the third or fourth best player on the Sixers in this series. But uh, my point on this is that, like, one, you have that element of Chris Paul with the Ewing theory. And then, two, you also have if... Booker goes on this historical heater where he just drags the Suns with this basically two like DeAndre Ayton's been terrible. Like he has mm -hmm. not been good at all. And part of that is he's going up against Jokic. And another part of it is just he's not quite as good as people thought that he was. And the the thing is, is that he would essentially be dragging this with KD as a second guy, and it would essentially make it so that KD never beats the allegations of being the number one guy on his own team to win a title <laughs> yeah. between Steph and Booker. You compared it to Steph in terms of the shooting. And uh, I, I mean, it would just be, there would be so many funny narratives to come out of this. If the Suns won this series, because I think if they win this series, they have a real shot to win the title, despite the fact they only have two fucking players, <laughs> especially if they're playing the heat in the finals. God damn it. That would just be so dejecting, dude. Are we are we gonna talk about the the possible the real possibility of a bubble final four repeat? I mean, at this point, it, it I said last time, I said yesterday on the stream, if if the series had held because it was two one 
uh, across the board at that point with all the bubble Final Four teams leading their series 2-1. Right now, I mean, look, the Knicks, maybe the Knicks steal one tonight and the Knicks, uh, I think the Knicks are fucked. I, I feel I'm worse about the Knicks than I felt about the Suns after two games in this series. Like, the Knicks, like, there has to be, there has to be a conversation about Julius Randle. Because, like, I feel bad because he's a really good regular season player and he made me look stupid, but, like, we're now in the second time. Where, dude, he shoots 33% from the field in his career in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. he just can't be one of your top guys if you want to win multiple playoff series. And he has no answer for the Heat right now. Offensively, they look stuck in the mud. Part of that is also... I think Jalen Brunson's limitations as a lead shot creator that the Cleveland Cavaliers weren't quite able to figure out in the same way as the Miami Heat have been able to. And Jimmy, we knew Jimmy was going to come back. And after he had the fucking uh, Silence of the Lambs music playing in his head uh, after the, they almost they almost beat them in Madison Square Garden without Jimmy Butler. And then he comes back and has a, a dynamite first half. And, and the game is never really a game in the second half. Uh I, I kind of think that series, like, I kind of think you can, I'm not going to say put it in pen because anything can happen. One, one ankle twist, one fucking weird shooting game from the Knicks. Maybe Thibs finally wakes up and realizes that his starting five that he played all year. Like, I love Josh Hart. Don't get me wrong. We, we've, we've talked about Josh Hart all the time. We think, I think Josh Hart is a, like a legit winning player. Yeah. But when you need shooting, you probably should put Quentin Grimes in over him in the starting lineup. Because Barrett and Randall are just not hitting their shots right now. And you need as much spacing as possible. And we learned this from the Cavs series. Like you need, Hart isn't hitting his shots and he needs to be a bit player off the bench in this series until uh, until that you can have enough shooting on the court in order to beat this Miami Heat team. They, they can't keep getting away with They're it. They're getting away with it. The they I'm can't Pen- keep Pen- getting away with it. God damn it. You know how if, Sixers fans are going to feel? If if we lose this series, it's going to be third time in four years as the Celtics and the Heat. Our two main, not rivals, but like the teams that we've been trying to beat for five years. Mm-hmm. And they're both back in the final Eastern Conference Finals again. <laughs> like... God, I, 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 I mean, I don't like. God, I, I want no. God, fucking. I mean, look, because, because here's the thing. This would be the ultimate test of like how how far can rap mode go? Yes. Like if it's Celtics Heat, because the Celtics are like three tiers higher in talent. Again, like this is the biggest talent discrepancy there's ever been between the Celtics and the Heat. Like, sure. If if that series like even goes seven. Eric Spolstra is like I, I think unquestionably like the greatest coach of all time. Like, oh like, yeah, I mean, like I, I, Spo is like a little bit of a Duncan Merchant, like at least a little bit, you know, like pop or pop. Sorry, yeah. um, pop's at least a little bit of a Duncan Merchant. I feel like, um, fucking um, uh, Phil Jackson, like he's had just like some of the like most talented guys. Like his his thing was mostly like. Uh, being an asshole in like a relatively uh <laughs> not uh controversial way but like i i think spo is like genuinely like just a, a fucking the napoleon of goddamn coaching like yeah we said it's like having an extra star having spo as your coach because like 
I'm watching a game where they're playing in Madison Square Garden and Gabe Vincent looks like fucking Steph Curry. Like, I, I just, like, I don't understand how he gets the most out of these undrafted guys. These guys they find on the fringes, like, they, they've been just giving him shit for years and he's been making fucking gold out of it. Like, it's, it's, it's so crazy when you think back to, like, the first team, or basically the first team he fucking coached was the LeBron James, like, the fucking I know. team. And everyone was like, oh, this guy... He's just being like, what they idiot. Him, like he was. You know, they treated him like he was like JB Bickerstaff or something like that. You know, like, sure. he's like, and he's like, I don't know, man. He's he's something else. I mean, all all credit to Spy. I mean, it also helps that Jimmy is just a, a absolute fucking wide eyed psychopath. Like, I feel like Clint Eastwood should do a movie about Jimmy Butler at some point. I feel like Clint and Jimmy would like get along on like a very like personal level like, like they need to look into that you know like how how the softies brought in like kevin garnett to like play himself i think like they should just have jimmy butler in like a movie about like fighting the cartel like playing himself and jimmy just like um he, he beats the cartel by like waking up earlier than them um and, and like getting into the gym earlier is that that is what i want i, I want that movie clint if you're listening Honestly, you could probably make a movie out of Jimmy's life at this point. Jesus Christ, being from being like homeless and uh, going to junior college, and uh, you know, fucking grinding his way, like literally grind set mindset his way to the top of the NBA. It's it. I cannot believe that the the Heat have have found a superstar who's just so perfect for their military propaganda culture (laughs) and working. It's it's working amazingly for 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 both of them. They oh, they have God. literally pulled themselves up by their bootstraps as an eight seed Stop. and and gotten to the the top one percent. I, I do kind of want um, Heat Celtics just because like that's like a worst case scenario for Bill where he's on the side of like the soft baby talented ones and like the, the Heat are like the the scrappy um, like nine season ending injuries. Um, our, our superstar like rolled his ankle into oblivion uh, on the other side. I mean, we, we've all got to be rooting for that at least a little bit, you know, well, uh, I'm more, if, if the Sixers win the series, I'm absolutely like everyone keeps saying, everyone keeps saying, Oh, the six, like the winner of the Sixers Celtics is probably going to win the finals. We did this last year with the Celtics Bucks too, by the way. And all it really takes is, Whatever Devin Booker's doing right now, whatever Jimmy Butler's doing right now, whatever Nikola Jokic is doing right now, to upend one of these teams that seems like the best team because of these preconceived notions that we have about them in the regular season and in the playoffs and whatever. But, like, I kind of think that if the Sixers get out, like, it's it's not it's absolutely not going to be a cakewalk to beat this Miami Heat team, which is... An insane sentence because I wanted them in the first round at one point. Like I was like, get it out of the way, beat your demons, you're a better team than them. And they I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared. Like because that was supposed to be who the Celtics were playing. And I was like, no, they're done. They're dead. No, it's over. Yeah. 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 It's joke. They probably honestly, they probably would have pushed you guys to seven in the first round if you played because of some insane and, and that would have and and without knowing what we know now everyone would have been like holy shit the celtics are paper celtics tired. aren't very good so yeah. and, and in fairness to Giannis, because uh nihilus bucks did bring this up and he was like it is kind of bullshit that 
Giannis is getting flamed for playing through an injury. Yeah, he probably. Would. And it's like I've seen in, this happen with Embiid too, where they play through an injury and they look like shit, and then it's bad for their legacy. But Giannis has the ring to fall back on. Like Giannis well, has the run to fall back on. It's kind of happening with Embiid right now. Like he's hurt sure. right now. Like, like you know, like I, I don't know. It's always all that stuff. It's always like not fair. Any of this stuff. I mean, I don't. I think. I would love to slander Giannis, but Giannis is largely innocent. I feel like this is a, it's a crime of the front sure. office and, and Bud um, that, that what happened in that series. So I, I mean, I'm not, uh, once again, I said after they lost the series, I still think he's the best two way player in the league. I, I, I thought the way that they framed everything was just funny with the whole failure thing, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I just like, we have to talk about before we move on to anything else. First off, let's talk about two things in that nugget series. Jokic had 53 points. Jokic had 53 points and the Nuggets lost. I believe that they are now 0-3 in games when he scores at least 40 points. Now, keep in mind, in the playoffs. Now keep Jokic, in mind Jokic Levine. Nicole Levine, yeah. Jokic, Jokic. Nicola Sexton. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, it's interesting how, uh, by the way, Bill and Rosillo were just sucking Jokic off. Like, okay, I want to talk about that. Yeah, I want to get into that in a second. Okay. But I, I do think, in, in fairness to in in fairness to Jokic in this argument, no. he did have thirty nine points in game two when they won that game. He had thirty nine, sixteen, and five, and went seventeen of thirty from the field, and they won that game. So it's not like him scoring a lot means that they can't win the games, but. I think that when you get into these situations, because their offensive rating when he was on the court last night was like a 135. <laughs> like, it was like the average in the playoffs right now. Even this broke my it's mind. It's got to be like 112 or something. Like 122 that. is Jesus. the average. Is the average. Okay. I figured all those like Cleveland Knicks heat games would drag like, it down. Oh, yeah. But I oh, looked it God. up because I'm worried about the Sixers' offense because. That's the one thing that uh, I, I've been a little bit worried that we have like a 117 offensive rating, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and the league average is 122 right now. And Christ. Uh, it, I, I mean, that's what, that's what it said on StatMuse. So I, I'm basing it off of what I saw on StatMuse. That does feel high, so maybe that's wrong. But I think that this Phoenix Suns series, uh, the, the Suns Nuggets series and the, and the Warriors King series – might have really skyrocketed that because they've had some games in the 120s and, and shit like that. I, I I still don't really know. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I don't know how that's true. I feel like I have to double check this because, yeah. hold on, maybe that's the regular. No, there's no way. No, hold it on. can't be the regular season. Hold on. No. I mean, it has it has been high scoring because I keep noticing how many of these games are like 120. Yeah. Um. And I, but I would think it would make it like 110 or something like that, or 112 or somewhere in there. But I, I don't know. That's that's my uh, instinct. But I, I, I think that you know, kind of while you're looking that up. I'll, oh I'll, no, I was way wrong. Sorry, my bad. It's 113. I apologize. Pretty close. 112. Uh, very close. Yeah. Uh, that was that was completely wrong. I read the first thing I saw, and that was based on a certain series had a 122. But it's oh, okay. one thirteen, which is still pretty high for. That's real, still really high. That's yeah. still really high. When you get to the playoffs, the, the the offensive ratings always fall off a cliff because they don't call as many fouls and the pace is slower. If so you don't, if you don't know what offensive rating is, by the way, like it's a very easy stat. That's just what someone scores in a game. 
100 possessions per 100 whatever possessions. per 100 possessions sure. so like yeah. and every game is like usually a little higher than that like it's usually right. between like 108 and like 115 in like a you know average game so um good ballpark yeah so but but you think about like you know that it's like a pretty much so that just helps to help you make sense of what that means so that i mean like look i scoring is way up defense just like I, I mean maybe this is part of the rule change maybe part of this is like everyone kind of catching up to warriors ball and like kind of you know not everyone's trying to like necessarily imitate warriors ball anymore but like people are just kind of getting smarter about like how to like integrate their specific players into making like a an offense that like makes sense like what 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 were the bad offenses that like made the playoffs like cleveland who like who was good in the regular season? They were just terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it was like yeah. Cleveland and like was there another like bad offense that I like can't think the of? That there is the Heat. Yeah, the Heat had a bottom six offense. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> a true. bottom six offense, and they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. God, it, or Demon Magic, but like every other team is like an extremely potent offense. Like I think the Sixers are probably the next worst offense. And what they were like 15th or 16th or something like that or Oh no, we were top 5 in offense this year. Really? I think we were, top, were top in defense. Weren't you number 1 in defensive efficiency? No, no, no. That was the Bucks. Oh, well, what am I well, thinking? The Bucks and the Cavs were the two best defensive oh, teams. No. And they went out early. I'm getting three-point shooting confused. You guys were the best three-point shooting. We team. were the best three-point shooting team. Yeah. This year in offense, we were 7th and we were I believe we were seventh in in uh hold on yeah we were seventh and we were mm, fifth in in uh wait defensive, were we? defensive rating well I mean anyway Kings Warriors Celtics uh the the Bucks oh, this I, is the playoff sorry I'm looking at the wrong yeah. thing but yeah also I guess I, I think the Bucks were not a good offense either but they lost like you know what I'm yeah. saying like, this is kind of what we're seeing is like maybe. The old adage about defense, that like maybe that's the big difference is you just have to have a hyper potent offense to go anywhere. I guess it, the it, Lakers, the Lakers are the other bad um, offense in the in here. Yes, but they were better in the second half of the season after they made those trades, and yeah. they're still they're still not quite as as potent. Um, so in the regular season, the uh, Sixers had the I believe they had a top five offense. Hold on, it's loading right now, but uh. We were third in offense this year. Jeez. So um, Celtics were second, right? Behind the Kings? The Celtics were fourth. Fourth, and, shit. And you had the third best defense. By the end of the year, we had the 10th best defense. So could just all of this kind of leading me back to the conversation that we were having about the Denver Phoenix series, which is two explosive offenses, especially when – Kevin Durant and Devin Booker making shots the way that they are right now. I saw some. I saw some Nuggets fan getting mad at uh, Jamal Murray, um, which, to be fair, there's one guy I follow on. Shout out to Connor. He's very, very funny. He's a Nuggets fan, but he does the Doomer thing every single game, even when the the Nuggets are, are winning. Um, and he was complaining, and a lot of South, or a lot of Nuggets fans were complaining about Jamal. And I was like. When you have Devin Booker on what I have, I, I would classify as the greatest heater I've ever seen in the playoffs, yeah. and then the other team also has Kevin Durant, and then you have Jokic who's scoring fifty three, hit thirty nine earlier in the series. He's basically having a triple double almost every other game, and is making also making some really tough shots. And, and he's been a high playing at a high level of offense. 
comparatively, Jamal Murray's probably going to look kind of shitty. <laughs> like, like yeah. and I understand, I think what, I, what I took from that game is that like, I, I saw some people trolling like, oh, the Suns have a math problem. And I'm like, the Suns took and made more threes in that game than the Nuggets did. The Nuggets went into the, the they saw the single coverage with Jokic and Jokic was just taking Aiton or Land out of town and he would they were just he was just fucking killing them in the post which is great obviously because you're getting high high level outcomes from those possessions he scores 53 they have a 135 offensive rating but the Suns became the team that leaned into especially in that second half when Landry Shamit caught fire just putting up a bunch of threes and making it so that they could basically kind of bring the math back in their favor. And they, they've been attacking the basket way more in this series. And I, I think I would be less, if I'm a, if I'm a, a Nuggets fan, if I'm a, if I'm a Jokic defender, I would not be worried at all. Like his offense has been incredible. The only thing I'd be worried about is, is their defense. Just have the Suns figured out a way to without Chris Paul, balance it out so that they can get downhill more they can get to the line more they got a pretty good whistle in that game yesterday um they've been attacking the rim way more they have been they've basically only been letting booker and durant cook for mid-range which is what the plan should have been from the jump and uh that has kind of swayed the 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 favor back in there because like i i don't think that the single coverage versus Jokic is a sustainable plan when the nuggets have decided we're just going to let Jokic fucking go off and score 50 or 60 points or whatever. I don't think that's going to be sustainable if the Nuggets play better defense at home. But if you can get them to take 20, 23s in a game, limit how many times they can get to the line, you might be able to rig the math back in your favor. And like this series is basically going to come down to is who carries in the last few games. Is it Booker or is it Jokic? And I can't believe that we're talking about a series that has Kevin Durant in it, and he's an afterthought, basically, despite playing at an insane level, too. Like, since game two, he's been on fire as well. Well, as I was going to say, like, everyone was like, I, like, like Kevin Durant had, like, 40 points, and everyone was like, ah, this, yeah, guy's, this guy, yeah. It was, it was like, it was like, yeah, he kind of, he kind of got free, though. Like, like, the, 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 yeah, like, the, it was saying that he was basically like living in Booker's shadow. Like he was collecting Booker's crumbs was like how he like got his 40, which is like so funny. Like, well, Jokic, Jokic scored 53 on 20 of 30. And I believe Devin Booker has missed nine shots in the last two games. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Like, I mean, I, who knows? Who knows with that series? Is it, man? Like, is it bad defense or is it just insane offense? Because there are sometimes I, I watch and I go, yeah, kind of shitty defense. Like that game yeah. was kind of shitty defense. Like they were when you watch when you watch the teams that decide to go single coverage. Not that by the way, they never go single coverage against Embiid in the playoffs because one, the Sixers have kind of changed his game a little bit to make him more face up, so that the entire defense can set in front of him, which is kind of hard to score against. Mm-hmm. But two. When they go single coverage against Jokic, Jokic is able to seal his man and get a bucket right under all the time. And the Suns are just letting him get that. And it's a completely different equation as opposed to when you're trying to score from the perimeter as a big man. And he's been effective doing that as well. Like, he's had an insane, insane series. But yeah, uh, Devin Booker scored 36 on 14 of 18 shooting, 12 assists. The game before scored 47 on 20 of 25 shooting 
and had nine assists. So, like, once again, this series comes down to Booker and Jokic. Who who ends up dragging their team across the finish line? Because it's been an insane performance. And some of it is shitty defense, but I think most of it is just unstoppable players in terms of, of, of offensive production. And I, I just want to say, last thing here, we have to talk about the Jokic versus Matt Ishbia thing, even though the, the league has already come out and said they're not suspending Jokic. Um, I just, I thought that people's takes on this were pretty funny. I don't know if you listened to Kirk Goldsberry on Low Post, but him and Rosillo kind of both said the same thing. First off, I love Bill's obsession with, uh, Bill has an obsession with Ishbia. First off, he loves Ishbia because Ishbia came on the podcast, new owner syndrome, the beef with Dan Gilbert, all that shit. He loves all of it. He said, uh, he, he, he kept bringing up, didn't you look into Ishbia, who he was as a player? He was like a real instigator. I looked it up. Matt Ishbia played 115 minutes in his college career over the course of three years for the Michigan State Spartans. He never played in real games. Kirk Goldsberry and Ryan Rosillo both said on their podcast, well, he's comfortable with the ball. So he grabbed the ball. He's comfortable with it. And I'm like, he hasn't played in a meaning basketball basketball game in like 25 years. He's he's had he's had adrenochrome in his hands more often than a basketball <laughs> allegedly parody satire. Um, like I I I don't know. I, I think yeah, all this stuff is like pretty funny. I mean, I don't know. Like, does it does it really matter? You know, like I think I, I could kind of smell the Adam Silver on this one when Ishbia came out and was like, "No, don't suspend him." Like, yeah. He got a phone call. He got a phone call. Don't suspend like, Jokic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, like you have to, to. You are in trouble if you don't do this. Um, I'm also kind of surprised the league didn't sus- like find Ishbia too. That's a little weird that they find Jokic and not Ishbia. Well, like, Jokic has a history. You know how the Draymond thing, right? Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, the the poor Morris twins were targeted. Oh wait, yeah. Why Jokic. why isn't Jokic suspended? That's weird. That is. That's, I find that's that quite strange. interesting. Yeah, it's very Why? interesting. Yeah, very. <laughs> well, this is—I mean—that was what I wanted to talk about. About like what I heard Bill and Rosillo talking about, um, just going insane on Jokic and like here's like 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 praising him and how amazing he is. I love him. <laughs> he's he's so good. He's so good. Like, I'm like he is good, but it just—I don't know—something about it like rubs me the wrong way when you like kill some guys. Like they were pretty sparse with their praise for James Harden, who is sing- almost single-handedly the reason why the Sixers are in their series, sure. and he's completely flipped the script on what everyone was killing him for. Like Harden has showed up in very big moments this entire series. Like I, I almost think he's almost beat the allegations for his career in my mind. Like with those two performances, to be honest, legacy performances. Yeah, like and I like I, I guess just the the like. The fact that, I mean, I get it. He had a huge game, whatever. But the fact that he's immediately dismissed from that um, and just completely separated, like, it's not like Jokic is, like, playing with the, the Cavs or the, the 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 Suns just in terms of talent around it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's got really good players. Like, we ran through last podcast. Like you No, know, I like players. a lot of their guys, yeah. They, they have, like, perfectly serviceable guys. They've got Jamal Murray is, like, a, a good player. And it's just like, I don't know, why does Jokic, it just seems like Jokic gets all the credit all the time. And I get it. Like, he's the fulcrum, he's the thing. But, like, in all these other series, like, 
Embiid and Harden are obviously the batteries, but we find times to talk about Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and sure. all these other guys. Like, why is it never about Contavious Caldwell Pope or Jamal Murray or, um, you know, Michael Border Jr. heard that Devin Booker was shot making and got very upset because um, he hates when people make shots. Uh, <laughs> he, he, I don't know if you saw the the Michael Porter Jr. shot at the end of the game last <laughs> night. Funny. That was uh, that was a real Denzel Valentine moment of oh my god, what is he yeah. doing? Oh, <laughs> oh, no. uh, so here's the thing, I've talked about the Jokic uh, kind of what I view as a double standard in terms of talking about him. Uh, I do think that in this case, I understand why they're doing it. The one thing that I think that th- it was funny to me that they they complained about the hot topic sports media. That was awesome. And that Rosillo was awesome. at least had the self-awareness to be like, we kind of do that too. Like all this shit we talk, all this shit that we do. It's we fun. do it. We it's do fun it. to be reactionary. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't want a reactionary podcast, there are plenty of podcasts you can go out there and listen to that are not our podcast or Bill's podcast or anything like that. It's yeah. fun to be reactionary in the playoffs. Like, I'm sorry. This is – you're living game to game, day to day, whatever. Yeah. When they, when it's someone that they like, like, for example, Chris Paul with Rosillo, it's, it's always benefit of the doubt. Let's zoom out, look at the whole thing, whatever, da-da-da. But in a positive light, right? Like, yeah. let's never overreact to, like, a terrible Chris Paul game. James Harden, when he has a good game, they do the same thing. Well, let's zoom out. Yeah, Elimination right. games. Like, right. not showing right. up to clutch moments and da-da-da. And look, all the allegations have mostly been true for Harden until this series, really. Like, the fact that he yeah. has single-handedly basically won the Sixers two games with some insane shot-making. Um, you know, it's a high bit- leverage, by the way. This series is over if the, if the Sixers lose that game yesterday. I'm, I'm yes, pretty comfortable. It's completely yeah. over. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think that – I think them now – Bill's gone back and forth on this a lot. I think the fact that he, he's already changed his mind from, man, I wish I just voted for Jokic, to, you know what? Actually, Embiid was the regular season MVP. I, and that drove me insane because it's, it's like, you're a fucking coward. Just say, just vote for Jokic because that's what they don't want to do. They want to have it both ways. They want to be able to complain about it. But But Rosillo was right in terms of just because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the playoffs every year doesn't mean that he wins the regular season MVP every single year. And the NFL is more, they don't get the the historical um, kind of, what do they say, the voting fatigue that the NBA does. I think Mahomes has already won three MVPs in his career. Uh, but like he basically was saying, like just because the guy was the best that we, do, the last game we saw, we thought he was the best player. The last series we saw, he was the best player. Doesn't mean we should retroactively give him the MVP. Like that isn't really how the, and he also has to do that a little bit because he voted for Giannis. But right. but my, my whole thing on this is, I do think I actually think offensively. Dude, Jokic actually absolutely has an argument for best player in the league right now. Like he's been unfathomably good in the playoffs. Like he's been amazing. And I think that some of it is, especially in round one, Jamal Murray was making some insane shots in close games. Very similarly to how Embiid has needed Harden to kind of do it for them right now. I totally get that. 
I think one, he is the golden child. I've talked a little bit about the racial stuff before, but I do think that this, I genuinely think that they really do just like Jokic as a player and they're willing to say, say that they're going to give him some runway until he can have kind of a legacy run for himself because he's what, 28 years old or something. And he hasn't really had a lot of opportunities because of the injuries on his team. But the, the one thing I will say is that, and once again, he's also going up against an insane opponent right now. But the guard thing with the Nuggets on the defensive end, like if they play the Warriors, I think that they make light work of the Lakers, to be honest. I think that's that's going to be a, a good matchup for them. And I think they win that series. But if you get into a situation where Devin Booker is having the great one of the greatest shot-making series I've ever seen, Anthony Edwards just did, Donovan Mitchell did it against them before. How many fucking teams have done this against them in the playoffs where the guard on the other team... Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, like just insane shot making series where their averages are just completely inflating that defensively you might have to look at Jokic and be like, okay, what are, what are we looking at here? Because this, this thing, while the offense is amazing defensively, there might be some holes that you can poke in Denver in the playoffs at the highest levels. And is it just because he's so good on offense that we just we, we can completely ignore the defense? Because until if if they go on to win this title, then that is the case. And I that's my my argument is that I think that they can mainly because of the Jokic Murray two man game, they can make an offense good enough to win the finals, similar to how Steph and the Warriors did. But you, I still need to see it before I can say this guy's completely like uh, bulletproof, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I just think for for, for me, I, I I don't know, I don't know what my skip. There's just something about Jokic's like game, and I think it's part of it is that he is very fascinating, and the way he plays is like very endearing to like real like hoop heads. You know what I'm saying? Like like the, the you know uh, the 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 guys who post tape, you know the guys who do seven million threads about um. Spain pick and roll or whatever the fuck <laughs> sure. is, you know, sure. like going on. Like Jokic is incredible. He's fun to watch for like a lot of the, the, the passing stuff and everything. I'm like, I, I'm really not trying to like first take this at all because I fully understand all the consequences. I mean, I was just saying last game, um, you know, that like, I, I think that they're, you know, that they look like they, they, I mean, they're world beaters like two games ago, you know, like, and, and they still look pretty good. Like, Devin Booker has had to like literally will the Suns to where they are at right now. I just, I have, and I always have had with the Nuggets and with Jokic, just like this skepticism. And it's like, whenever I step back and I like look at the numbers, I'm like, you know, it's like, fuck, they do have all these like players who are like pretty good. They've, Jokic is like the, you know, you can't really argue with the numbers, which is why nerds go fucking insane when you don't give him MVP. Like there's all kinds of stuff there. There is just, something there i don't i really can't place my finger on it and i'm doing like this is a very bill take of me to make but like i just something is off with the nuggets that, that there's something there that i just don't quite like buy and just in terms of like a, a i don't know from like a paper tiger perspective um i negate all of this if they're playing the lakers in which case they are absolutely authentic and uh, <laughs> well uh, I've talked about this before and I've gotten shit from a lot of Sixers fans. I've gotten sh shit a lot from a lot of people in the discord in that. I think that there is a case to be made. You could probably make the same case. I guess you can't really make the same case for Joel. Cause we've seen bigs like Joel before. Like we've yeah. seen like 
guys, not quite like Joel. Like Joel is a this era's version of center X or whatever. Right. That has been like that that like Hakeem, if he were to play now, would play differently. Like yes, absolutely. Yeah. Every center from that back then would play differently if they played in this era. You could compare David Robinson to Embiid. You could pay, compare Patrick Ewing. There are a lot of guys that have similarities that would play differently in this era. The Jokic thing is more like, I guess because he is, I guess really since Bill Walton, we haven't seen a, like a center hub pass pass first big man that also can score like crazy Um, in terms of like being like the, the main hub on a championship team. But I said this before where I'm like, 10 years ago, the common thought was you can't win a title just on jump shooting. And then Steph broke the barrier, right? Like Steph and the Warriors tore all that down. And it was like, actually, you can completely win a title on jump shooting. And it's going to be the most important thing in the NBA now. I'm not saying that Jokic and the Nuggets are that, but it is one of those things where we just have to see it first. Like, I don't know if you can win, like, if you can win four series, I think you can beat really good teams. I think you can win multiple playoff rounds like he already has, being the center, being the main guy. I don't know if you can win against, we'll see how he plays against, if if it's Boston in the finals, if it's Philly in the finals. In the next round, can they finally beat the Warriors? I know they've, I think they've only played them once at a series, but that has always been an issue because of the jump shooting on that team. Uh, for a center that is, you know, kind of groundbound, doesn't is not going to want to garden space a ton. Um, that that like I, I think the the offensive stuff is pretty uh, bulletproof now though. Well, like the, and, the, the, and, the playoff, I know that they haven't had the best defenses they're going up against, but like they're pretty pretty soft. Like I mean, like the, the Suns not really, but like the Timberwolves like at least have defensive infrastructure, and they've kind of made light work of them. So well. And to your point and the point we were making earlier too, like maybe it's just that I'm, I'm looking at their defense and just like, you you know, I just have it beaten into my like bones that like you, this is Fugazi. Like this is going to come back to bite you at some point. And I, I get it. I mean, well, it's funny because I was beating the the King's drum, you know, and and said, I didn't care, you know, like this is, you know, but we just went through it, you know, maybe, this is the start of something new. Like maybe this is the new barrier in the era. And maybe we're finally getting to the point where it's just offense is, you know, just defense just matters less than offense. And this is, you know, teams like the bucks are going to wilt Um, teams like the Celtics that are balanced are going to be a little shakier. And these high powered offenses are just going to perform better than we, you know, expect them to. Um, that, and the heat will continue to be demons. How it, the offensive explosion, like we haven't seen an offensive first team win a title still. Like, okay, so I should I should rephrase that. We haven't seen an offensive first team that doesn't have a great defense win a title. Like I was gonna say we, we were were that. Yeah. We've never seen a team that was like their offense was like seven places higher than their defense in exactly. like league rating or something like yeah. win, you know, like like I don't even think we've seen like an elite offense and like a mid-league defense because the Warriors were always always I think the Warriors almost had better defenses than offenses every year. Right, like I, 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 I think I'm right about that. Maybe it, I think the Iguodala, I think the Iguodala Warriors were always a better defense than they were an offensive team. But it was really good. So, I, and now look, you need to take competition into account here. You need to take all this shit into account, right? Mm-hmm. The Nuggets have the fourth best playoff offense right now, right behind Phoenix. Funny enough, mm-hmm. who 
you know, they played the Clippers in the first round, and now they're playing Denver, who they've kind of figured out at least over the last two games. And then the – oh, actually, they have the third best. Boston has number one because New Orleans was also included in here, but New Orleans lost in the play-in. So um, Boston is one, Phoenix is two, Denver is three. The, do you know who has the number one net rating so far in the playoffs? Uh, let me think about this. Is it the Lakers? It's the Denver Nuggets. I guess it makes sense. They were playing the Wolves. Plus uh, 7.2. But, like – and they were playing a Wolves without McDaniels and Reed. So, like, that certain and like, the first game they destroyed them. And then they've had, I think they've had two blowouts in game one with both of their series, if I remember correctly. And, but, like, even with, I'm looking at the defensive rankings right now, they have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth-ranked defense in the playoffs. And they are a plus 7.2 because the offense is just so high-powered at all times. And I I do think that there also is something to the fact that, like, once again, they're good without Jokic on the court in terms of their offense is bad, but their defense is actually really, really good when Jokic is off the court in the playoffs this year. Some of that is small sample size stuff, but some of it is just they go small with Gordon at the five and they have a lot of good, versatile, switchable defenders that can Mm -hmm. kind of muck things up. And that, that has also benefited them, but it's a much smaller amount of minutes and a lower level of competition, I would imagine, if uh, your your best players on the bench, their best players probably on the bench as well. So it's something that we need to see still to believe it, but like we could be witnessing a shift at least where it's like offense just matters so much more. Like you said, that like right now the two teams that really have the profile that based on this that would meet in the finals would be Boston and Denver. Which so, which yeah, it seems that way. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's too tough to say just because you never know what can happen in a three-game series. Celtics have to be close in net rating. I feel like they've – every they're game they've lost. They're, they're yeah. Plus yeah. 5.6. Yeah. Um, the Lakers are third. The Heat are fourth. The can't, bubble games. Can't the, – the two – oh, God. You can't escape it. Yeah, God. If the Lakers – I got I just I, – I, I still don't totally understand why the Lakers are beating the Warriors. I got to say, like, I, 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 it confounds me. And I can't stay up till – I just can't stay up till 10 o'clock to watch these games. So it's just like I'm trying to, like, piece it together. Like, a, I'm like fucking uh, McNulty in The Wire, just saying <laughs> fuck over and over again, trying to, like, find the bullet in the fucking – McNulty and Bunk going over the, the crime scene after the fucking point. They're like, what happened here? Well, if you just asked Warriors fans on Twitter what is happening, I've heard two things from Warriors fans. One, the uh, the refs are carrying them and the Lakers are flopping everywhere and that the Warriors have no chance because they're just the, the whittle jump shooting team and they don't, they don't have a chance against the strong, powerful, uh, driving Lakers. Although apparently they've driven a similar amount the last two games and the Lakers are still getting more calls is what's the new I mean, thing I've heard. That, that, that's always been the, like the, the, the stats on the Lakers free throw disparity is like kind of insane, especially yeah. considering like where LeBron is in his career. That looks yeah. like all, it's like all Austin Reeves. Like, wasn't there a stat that like Austin Reeves gets like more free throws than like Damian Lillard or like his free throw rate was like crazy at one point. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and they do have a lot of guys who can kind of grift those fouls, but I, I honestly think that the two things I've taken away from it is that, mm-hmm. 
first off, the first game broke my brain with how well the Warriors shot and they lost that game. Like, actually, they didn't shoot that well. They just put up 53 threes. This is the first time I've ever seen the, the, the Warriors get baited into taking threes and they made like 40% of them and still lost the game. But uh, the the disparity in the last game in free throws was 37 to 11. The Lakers Jesus. had 37 free throws and the Warriors had 11. So, like, I would probably be going insane, too, if I were a Warriors fan, to be honest. Because, like, yeah. how how can that possibly be true, even if we are a jump-shooting team? Like, there's no fouls no. being committed. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, because it's, it's like not like it's LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what Anthony no. Davis. Because it's it's one thing. Honestly, that's another thing we haven't talked about was uh, Sixers Celtics. Because I actually feel like the free throws have. I expected there that that this to be a free throws made you cry series, like for the the Sixers, and they really haven't gotten. We don't get calls big. in the playoffs like people think we do. It yeah. never is the case. Yeah, it's it's never really, but still really hasn't really happened yet. Um. So so. And if a team like with Harden and Joel Embiid isn't getting like these free calls, why is like Dennis Schroeder and like Rui Hachimura like getting like these calls? I, I, I still, I still you're going don't. Big brain. Under- you're going big brain conspiracy. You're th- you. Do you think that if, if the league, if the league looked at the remaining teams and said, what would be our perfect finals? You can't tell me that Lakers Celtics wouldn't be the perfect finals for what the league wants in these TV deals. Biggest fan bases, legacy fan bases, potential for the most titles. You could you could market yeah. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as American stars. You would have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron yeah. is always going to draw people. Like if if you had to pick a finals, that would absolutely be. It's like it, well, it's like because if you go like one tier down from like lowest common denominator, I think Sixers Nuggets would really would do really well too. I don't think like, even nuggets, though those, I don't think the Nuggets is the. Such a small market, like Jokic and Embiid aren't really like the 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 guy, the, the eyeball guys, really. Like, the, you know what I, mean? I mean, like the the Celtics. People always like put Boston in like a large media market. Like, even if you include like Maine, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, like their population is still like yeah, about the same as like the Memphis, the like greater the Memphis Steelers, area. Dude, they have fans all over the place. Like, you guys were good in the seventies. You were good in the eighties. Like. You have legacy fans. Like, and I'm not saying that that is the number one thing. Like, obviously, yeah. market size matters more. But, like, from a eyeball standpoint, you would get a lot. If it were that Lakers Celtics for who wouldn't the winner of that be? If the Celtics won, they would tie the Lakers or? No, whoever would take the lead. They're tied right now. Oh, they're tied right now. Yeah. Like, they, they would push that shit for the old fans. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, do think that people would watch. Like, I, I think that, that would get a lot of eyeballs. And I'm telling you, the TV deal is right around the corner. Now, look, do I think that this is happening? No, I think that there's probably been – I think the Lakers get a pretty good wes- whistle, and it's probably – you probably feel like you're going insane as a Warriors fan right now. But the series is never – it's not – like, dude, the, self, the, the Warriors were down 0-2 in the first round. They almost went down 3-1 if Harrison Barnes hits that shot. Like – they're not done. Like, like I, I still think there is time to come back, but I did need to laugh at this one tweet that I saw. I, the, the, we've talked about the Warriors and the Warriors fans being the perfect comparison for Silicon Valley shit. Yeah. But this tweet just made me feel like I was losing my mind a little bit. This is from a Warriors fan on Twitter named Jim Park. 
Steve yeah. Kerr needs to be gone after this year. This guy refuses to let go of his godforsaken offense that never, ever works in the playoffs. No matter how much evidence he sees that pick and roll is their bread and butter, he reverts. His ideology has held this team back long enough. He's I- incapable of evolving. They've won four titles, <laughs> including last year's title. And I know that a lot of that was actually kind of based on defense, like, their offensive rating in the playoffs wasn't as good or, or in the finals wasn't as good, but like, I'm sorry. You've won four titles. <laughs> like, like this is very much billionaires complaining about taxes five to me. Yeah. 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 It, it's, uh, I, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that things have gone so wrong for you. Like <laughs> ignore that. I'm a Celtics fan who's complaining, who's complains about Gordon Hayward's ankle uh, destroying our franchise for three years, even though we made the conference finals in that time. I, 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 I just, I don't know. I, I, I think, I guess I just, w- w- what's driving me insane about Lakers warriors is I just, I don't see a mathematical way that the Lakers should win a game, let alone two. And I'm like, I, I, I don't, I still don't understand. Like, cause normally I can kind of be like, okay, like that wasn't what, like even Bucks heat. Like I was like, okay, not what I was expecting, but the Bucks are a gummed up defense. Coach Spo can do this. Jimmy can go off. I still like, don't, I, I, I can't process how, this Lakers team beats a Steph Curry team of any kind. Draymond Green gone. Like, like you put Kavon Looney and Dante DiVincenzo out there. Like, like how are you losing? I don't. I, I really don't get it. I, I just someday watch these games. What we talk about most of the season yeah. is that this one, this Warriors team isn't as good as old Warriors teams. We've known that for a while, but we knew they yeah. were going to hang because they are the Warriors and they have Steph yeah. Curry and Draymond Green and blah blah blah. I wish I could have a better answer for you because I even have fa- these games haven't been competitive. So like yeah. I haven't even been lo- like I've been locked in on the other series, uh, mm-hmm. mainly the Sixers Celtics and the Suns Nuggets because they've been fun competitive games and I enjoy watching them. Except for when the Sixers make me want to throw up all over myself. But the yeah. the this Lakers Warriors game every game has been a blowout so far. So I can chalk up game one to maybe the, the Warriors were feeling them out a little bit. And then they came back and they crushed them in game two. The Lakers got back home. They found a rhythm. D'Angelo Russell was fucking cooking. I was like, what is happening? D'Angelo Russell is making the, the Warriors defense look like fucking shit. Um, and, and mainly what I kind of take from this is like, I guess I just kind of like, I don't understand how the Warriors, the Warriors in game two, had a stretch where they were running clay off of screen, like pin downs and screens at the top of the key. And Anthony Davis wasn't leaving the paint mm-hmm. on the two man action, which means that D'Angelo Russell was having to fight over screens and contest clay Thompson threes from behind. And guess what? Clay Thompson hit like three in a row. And I, because Anthony Davis was in now, look, I watch a team with a drop center too. Joel Embiid will sometimes play drop, but like, He's at least contesting enough near the level of the screen where like, it's not a wide open six feet, no one near you three and Clay Thompson hit two or three in a row. And I was like, what are the Lakers doing? But anytime that Steph is running off the ball, when I've watched, they're just, they've been physical with him. Like I think that there is a factor of you can be a little bit more physical with the Warriors in the playoffs and try to kind of get them off their game, off their rhythm 
I just, I, I'm still, I'm kind of about as dumbfounded as you in terms of like what is happening, other than the fact that every other game, Anthony Davis is doing the James Harden thing. We're like, yeah, he only took 10 shots in the last game though. Like he went, he went seven for 10, scored 25 points, and the Lakers destroyed them. And like, I, I like, like, like do, do I just have to like, it's just our yeah, Rui Hachimura and. Uh, Troy Brown and Lonnie Walker all good now, like because that's basically what I'm left to come up with. Like, like, like that's that's the assumption you're making me come to is that all three of those guys are, um, you know, uh, Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White type uh, players now. Like, and also <laughs> LeBron only took 11 shots in that game, dude. Dude, combined they had 21 combined shots. Between the two of them, like I don't, I don't. And, and it was funny because I was like, "Why are they putting Lonnie Walker in?" And then it worked. I was, I, I don't know. I'm losing my mind just as much as you in this series. I need to. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna actually watch tonight. Hopefully, it's a competitive yeah. game, so I don't just like drift off into thought and my neurodivergent mind is just floating in the atmosphere. <laughs> because that's every time I try to watch these games, they're not good games. Like yeah. They, 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 like the Lakers go up early and then the Warriors never come back. The Warriors went up early in the other one and they never came back. Except for game one, which the Warriors had stormed back for that comeback at the end. They really haven't been that entertaining. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this series – I can't see – I mean, look, if the Lakers win tonight, their title – like, they could win the title. Well, no, they won't. Because if they win tonight, it means the dog is correct. And uh, Oh, true. Yeah. So well, Very good point. Very, very good point. It's just the dog script, baby. Yes. All right. Before we get out of here, I have one more thing I want to talk about. Which is the? Oh, by the way, what? Uh, what? Wait. Sorry, never mind. I, I go, go go ahead. Uh, sounds like a pool might start against the Lakers tonight. Yeah, because they are going to pull Jamichael. They moved him out for Jamichael Green, right? Oh no, no, sorry. Gary Payton in the starting lineup now. Steph, Gary, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. Okay. So. Okay, so they're saying fuck spacing. Let's go. Let's go defense. Not, not a bad, honestly, not a bad bet. Let Anthony All Davis right. get 1 billion points and let's see what happens. I, I actually kind of fuck with it, to be honest. All right, let's see. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I cut you off. I like that lineup in general, but all right. Yeah. Um, that was so strange that okay, either way. Bill uh, Bill talked about this on his podcast today. The other thing I got to say, shout out to, um, shout out to Joel Embiid, who, Throughout his career, has gotten a lot of shit for his double teams uh, stuff in the playoffs. He's really struggled with that historically. Uh, the Sixers off of Joel Embiid double teams are shooting 70% efficiency field goal wise uh, off of Joel Embiid double teams. So progress for Joel in that department, at least. Um, I forgot to mention that I had that listed on my things that I wanted to talk about. Last thing, Bill keeps talking about the Orlando magic and I look, we love, I love the magic. I love their young talent. I think they're a fun team, but Bill keeps talking about them to the point where I'm like, did someone tell Bill something? Because yeah. he talked first off, he talked about Wendy. Uh, say, he said, when Wendy says things, you got to listen, right? Like Wendy is the, the slot whisperer. Yeah. And he basically said, Brian Windhorst said, that the New York Knicks are monitoring this situation with Giannis and the Bucks, which 
I don't even know what in the world the the Knicks think they could trade for for Giannis, but that was interesting, and they talked about it. And so Bill started talking about different teams, and he once again, after a year ago, he tried to get them to trade for Donovan Mitchell. He's thrown out Trey Young for the Magic. He's thrown out a- any star that Luca, whoever, once again called in Sarudi and said. What would you what what would it take to get Giannis on the Magic and Rosillo in in Rosillo's defense he was absolutely spitting on this he's like there's nothing on the Magic and he's like and I love the Magic young players there's nothing on the Magic that could make the Bucks trade Giannis to them but Bill was basically saying what what would the package even look like for Giannis and he, what he came up with was Paolo Bencaro. They're two top 10 picks they're probably going to have this year from them and the Bulls. And then every pick that they could basically trade and then maybe throw in like, I don't know, Wendell Carter Jr. or Jalen Suggs or whoever. Like what, like we talked about it with Luca. I don't think that Giannis, and they both agreed. They don't think that Giannis is going to ask out. They think Giannis is going to see this through and see if they can yeah. either do like a retooling like we've talked about or get a new coach and have a new mindset or whatever. He's he's not going to jump ship. But he does have two years left on his contract. Yeah, I was just going to say, can I say something? I actually don't think that's crazy, and I actually think that's a perfectly fine package because I think we do this all the time. Sure. Like, think back to the Anthony Davis trade when it was like, wow, the Lakers, you know, they gave up a lot, but, you know, the Lakers got their guy, and it's fuck, you know? And, like, look, the Zion piece, what has submarined the – New Orleans Pelicans has not been the Anthony Davis trade. Let me just put it that way. It is, you know, it is the the, the Zion thing and bad a luck. couple of other things. It's bad luck, you know. Like, I I, I don't think, like, look, is it one to one equal value to get Giannis? No, but like, it, it, let me just say, I don't think the Bucks would necessarily be uh, like dreams would be dashed if you made that sure. trade. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I think that's a perfectly fine trade to make. Like, I. Obviously, Giannis is the best player in the world. He's young enough that, like, you don't do that if even if there's, like, a, a whisper of a, of a chance. But if you are going to trade – Sure. If you are going to trade Giannis, I would rather do that than, like, trade for, like, Luka or, or whatever the fucking, like, you know, whatever the, the closer value is. Like, what, Jason Tatum and uh, Marcus Smart or whatever. You know, whatever Joel the fuck – like yeah, whoever, 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 yeah, whoever yeah. could be the next guy, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, like, like you know, like it's. I would rather do that, like all young guys. Like I, I'd rather get Tyrese Halliburton in a shitload of picks or, or something like that than 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 those packages. To be honest, like like or Shea Gilgis Alexander, I would much rather have Shea than like some of these other. I mean, I guess Jason Tatum's young and, and young enough, but I, sure. I, I don't think that's crazy. Let me just put, I, I, you know, maybe I'm zigging a little bit here, maybe I'm trying too much to be a contrarian, but like. I don't think we we've the Dwight Howard trade and like the the dimes for you know Bill always says this and it's like oh you never trade four quarters for two dollars or, or whatever the fuck he always says. I don't think that's really true anymore. Like like because those guys just leave. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You like, almost always get your value back. Is essentially what you're trying to say here. Like it's not you're yeah. never going to replace Giannis, but like. You're going to get back a top, what, five, ten prospect in the league, 
plus a ton right. of picks that whoever knows what you could do with those. When you're trading those guys, you're trading those guys with the knowledge of there is a car crash coming. You yes. know, like that's why the Spurs traded for Kawhi Leonard. You, you know, yeah. like that's probably the worst superstar trade like of recent memory. Like the the Demar well, Rosen. You, can, you consider Jimmy Butler a superstar? Yeah, I guess that's pretty. Uh, Robert Covington and Dario Saric. Yeah, like, I mean, pretty, I wouldn't yeah. even say this because the Sixers was a sign in trade. Like, that wasn't a real trade. Like, yeah, right. The, the Robert, but that was also unique circumstances. Expiring yeah. contract guy who, before this run in Miami, a lot of people were out on Jimmy Butler because, like, they thought he was a locker room problem. He wasn't cool. like, like the, the narrative has shifted a lot. Well, let me go here. Would you rather have Dario Saric and Robert Covington or Josh Richardson and Seth Curry, what? who's what Seth Curry? Yeah, like same shit. I mean, or you yeah, know what I I'm saying like yeah, sure. even even that that's like a bad trade. I mean, you do get that one season of Jimmy Butler, which is nothing. But I, I you know what I'm saying? I, I guess just that that's been the convention because like there's all the horror stories about the, the Dwight Howard trade, but like a shitload of weird things happened in the Dwight Howard trade. Sixers fans know it was fucking Andrew yeah. Bynum's bowling accident, like right. like changed the calculus on that for some reason the magic like wanted to get Aaron Aflalo, but like they still got Vooch who like gave them like pretty good value. Like if they didn't fuck up all their other moves, they could have had your dream team. Just compete, get that eight seed. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they really though, like if they hadn't had like Finn like whiffed on like Mario Hazonia and uh, Aaron Gordon, who was good, but not, you know, franchise. Well, and then Jonathan Isaac just was body broke for, yeah. you know, like however many years, you know what I'm saying? Like I, they had like a bunch of shit like that, like go wrong. It was not the, it wasn't even Dwight Howard trade that like did that to them. So, and that's like one of the most lopsided star trades in a while too. So I yeah. don't know. Uh, so I just want to say there isn't, there really is like, I actually think that you would probably be headed towards a more of a Kevin Durant situation with the honest thing where yeah. like when, when he left OKC and they were like, well, we're not going to trade you because we can win the title with you. <laughs> like, like, like you, yeah. what I'm going to say here is like, if Giannis, if they wanted to try to retool around Giannis and they kind of fix some things around him and they believed enough in their vision, like they, they don't have to trade Giannis is what I'm trying to say here. Like, they could literally just make a push and try to win the title to convince him to stay for longer. Well, and it's also not a bad bet with someone's personality like Giannis versus Kevin Durant. So, like, you know, like, it's also just a chance that he's just comfortable and is like, yeah, all right, fine, fuck it. We'll be at five seed every year. We'll be at five or three seed, you know. And if you guys make it competitive, great. If not, sorry. I mean, the only thing there is they just, they have, like, literally fucking nothing for, like, assets which again like very bare bones and guys are gonna walk out the door unless they're like a hard tax team so uh, and if you listen to trill bro dude on the you know podcast you would trade for anfordy simons before the word gets out kevin kevin uh couchside tweeted today that uh if you look at if you look at players who, and this is something that Will has pointed out before, this is something I I remember a year ago when we signed when they signed Anthony Simons to that contract, I was like, this guy, this is a good contract. And I know a lot of people didn't like that contract. He's making twenty five million dollars a year right now. He's better than Tyler Hero. He's better than Jordan Poole. He might be better than Tyrese Maxey uh, based on how Maxey's played in this playoffs. And Maxey's going to make a lot more money. Uh, 
right now, uh, there are he, he basically did in two almost two thousand possessions without Dame. Anthony Simons is putting up twenty eight point four points per seventy five possessions on plus one point four true shooting above league average with five point six assists per seventy five. There are only seventeen players in the entire NBA who are doing that, and basically all of them are the best players in the NBA. It's 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 like he is the Jalen Brunson star hiding in plain sight. You can get him right now because the Blazers want to win now and they're not going to do the small guard thing again. If the Nets or the Bucks are listening, go get Anthony Simons. I'm telling you, you're going to be happy in a year or two if you get Anthony Simons. He's an insane shot maker. Already he has, already in his career, he has the fifth most amount of games with nine threes or more made. The only players ahead of him are James Harden, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, and Steph Curry. Elite shooter can be a ball a, a ball handler that works off a guy like Giannis. And I don't think that the defense is really as bad as people say it is if he can get in the right situation. So I'm or could could potentially be. So I that's that that would be my pitch to the Bucks if they can either flip Middleton or or um drew into Anthony Simons they should do that but they won't listen to me and we'll see in two years when Anthony Simons is making all-star teams how everyone feels what I know I said that was the last thing I also had one more thing I wanted to hit on here okay so Devin Booker we I forgot about this in the Devin Booker part they talked about it a little bit on Bill's pod but uh Devin Booker was kind of to your point what you always talk about like you could be the best player in the draft and get picked with the 13th pick, right? Right. Like yeah. that's what he, he went le- end of the lottery, Devin Booker. He was a bit player in college. He was a role player. They used him like JJ Redick. Like he was like yes, exactly. a movement shooter, a movement shooter off the bench that was highly rated coming out of high school, but not like he was like top 30. He was a five star recruit. Uh, but he kind of got buried on a very deep Kentucky team, which LOL just draft the Kentucky guards at this point. Cal right. clearly has no fucking idea how to use them. We've seen it with Hero and Maxi and Booker and Quickly and all these guys. So just draft the Murray. Kentucky guard. What's that? Murray. 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 Well, Murray didn't fall. Murray was the sixth pick in the draft. So like at least he he at least utilized him. And SGA fell a little bit. He oh, was SGA. oh, you're talking about guys who like fell in the draft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Outside of the top ten, all these guys except for Murray were outside of the top ten. Because they just misused them at Kentucky, or they they didn't develop into what they possibly could be by the end of their first year at Kentucky. But the the, the most amazing thing about Devin Booker to me, and he will go down as the best player from his draft class, 2015, which is kind of a shitty draft class in general. He's basically going to be the only surefire Hall of Famer from that class. Uh, if you look at where he went in the draft, he was the fourth player that was drafted from his draft class in 2015. Carl Anthony Towns went ahead of him. Oh, from his college team, you mean, yeah. From his college team, I'm sorry. Yeah, fourth, yeah. fourth player from his college team. Carl like, Anthony Towns. drafted 13th, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, yes. I just said that. Carl yeah. Anthony Towns, Willie Cauley-Stein, yeah. Trey Lyles, and, De- and then Devin Booker. Benched for basically the Harrison twins at, on that Kentucky team. It's just an amazing story to see how He's going from that to like, we're going to be talking about him in the top five, top 10 conversations after these playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's been there. He was all NBA last year. Well, we like, said, we said coming into the playoffs, we thought he was a top 10 player. Like yeah. I, I was by the halfway point of the season, I was like, he's the guy like he, like 
it, it was trending in that direction, but when Chris Paul fully fell off this year, I was like, oh, he's the guy in Phoenix. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's like, Durant showed up on his team and he was like, no, fuck you. This is not like, he did what I'm Steph the Curry couldn't do. Like, yeah. you know, like, just took control from Kevin Durant. Like, you're, you are my sidekick. Like, you're the little player. Yeah. <laughs> no, really? No. Like, you're the spot up guy. Get, get out there and play defense, bitch. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> But in all seriousness, yeah. last thing on Booker, I think even yeah. I underrated how good he could be because I thought two years ago it was a conversation between him, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, and Zach Levine. Like, I thought those four were, like, kind of in a similar pool of player. And I was like, I, I, I think at one point I might have even said that I preferred Mitchell or, or Levine over him because I didn't know if he could become the top shot creator on a great team and I thought that those guys might have been able to be, but totally wrong. He's been, he's been owning, and uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still blown away looking at his stats in the playoffs. What he's been able to, I mean, it's, you know, you know what the, he's the, averaging were, like Jordan numbers, dude. Well, you know, you know when it's one. He when he when he said he was going to Hooters with the fellas, that was when <laughs> we knew we had an all time great on our hands. Did you know that? Thinking That's, about it. Yeah, that's that's one of the great tweets. Look up that's uh, my favorite old player tweet. So I, I feel it was like from 2013 that uh, or something like that. Booker says, "Yeah, he's heading to Hooters with the fellas." Yeah, going to Hooters with the fellas. One of the great. Shout out to- all right, last thing before we get out of here, I just need to read off. This is for all of the playoffs. This is like insane how this is happening. Devin Booker is averaging 37 points. 30. Seven points a game in the playoffs. 7.4 assists. Three turnovers. Five rebounds. On 61-51-87 splits. I can do that. I, as a matter of fact, I probably will do that after this. I'm putting, You should see my, my stats I have against my nephew. Um, he's uh, one and a half. I, I'm just dominant on him. I could probably do the, these Devin Booker numbers if I was playing against a toddler. So I don't think I could do that in an open gym with no one guarding me. Yeah, for sure. I, I <laughs> definitely literally no. Actually, for a fact, I know I can't hit fifty percent of my open threes. I'm, so. I'm happy. I'm happy if I've got Jay Crowder numbers out there. Yeah, same here. I'm PJ. I'm doing. If, I, if I've got some Killian Hayes conversions going, I'm 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 in an open gym. I'm I'm crushing, dude. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Devin Booker is God, obviously. Um, no, I, I do want to um, thank all the perverts who uh, wished me wished me well uh, when I posted about my grandfather passing away. Um, I, when I will not be on the pod later this week, I'm not a coward. I'm just I'm at my I'm at my grandpa's funeral. Um, it's not an excuse I made up uh, to to duck uh, getting yelled at by everyone. Um, unless it is, unless you see me in a mustache at the TD Garden, that would be very funny if I was just doing this to like go to the game. He's <laughs> like, yeah, just going like, ah, yeah. I wrote up the obituary. For, they zoom uh, in. They zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> thing, yeah, made like, it all up to avoid uh, p- a potential diaper disaster post podcast. But yeah, I, I got called into the underdog offices where I'm forced. I'm forced to pick uh, higher or lower on how on how much pay how much my pay is getting cut. <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, we will have some uh, some guests co-hosts later in the week. We're going to be recording 
on Wednesday afternoon this time. So hopefully uh, it's a it's a good Sixers pod, uh, but uh, I'll be back later this week. I'll probably end up doing a second one later in the week or a third one later in the week as well because if the series does end this week, I want to have, you know, hopefully not my suicide note, but something good for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, peace. All right, peace.